and welcome to another episode of the Social Review Podcast. I'm your host, Jasper, at Jasper underscore CH on Twitter. And today I'm delighted to be joined by... Uh, uh, Renna Robson, at that interlace on Twitter. I'm Cathy Rowland, uh, I'm uh, Renna's mother, but I'm also a head teacher of Dogcroft Nursing Infant School in Sheffield. Thank you so much, Cathy, for coming on. You can plug on. your Twitter if you want. <laughs> you you can, can plug your Twitter if you want. Oh, yeah, yeah, if you want to find us at Dogcroft Infant, you can find all about us. Yeah, there we go. Excellent. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Kathy. Um, and thank you so much, Rana, for um, inviting your mum on. Um, this, is the, this is actually the second time one of the editors has had their parents on the podcast. We're sort of getting it, becoming a slight tradition. Um, but yes, thank you so much for coming on. Um, Kathy, as she said, is a head teacher. So um, we're going to be talking about schools and reopening schools and all the problems that have. Um, Risen over the past couple of months with coronavirus and schools. It might it might be good to just start um, if if um, Kathy wants to say a little bit about her school because obviously yes, every school sure. is kind of different. And if, if you want to talk a little bit about what what Dobcroft Infants and Nursery is is the school, who do you serve, etc. Yes, yeah. so we are in the uh, southwest sector of uh, Sheffield. It's probably the more affluent area of Sheffield. Uh, we are a three-form entry infant school, which means there's 90 per year group. Um, and those numbers are important when you come to count down to the 15. So it's, uh, because then you realise that you need double the school to fit the 15s in. Um, I've been a head teacher for 20 years, 16 of them there. So I've been long established. But I have to say that what has taken place in the last three months, nothing prepared me for it in that sense uh, and it's it's been an interesting experience it's probably a nice way of putting it but so so yeah that that leads nicely into what my next question was going to be of just like what has it been like being on the front line of this leading a school um what I would say is it's 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 been like something I, I I've never known. I mean, you know, it, you are peaks and troughs in any sort of um, year or um, different situations arise, but nothing prepared me for what that is because you're having to be so in the here and now. I mean, when that when that uh, we had no inkling. Well, we knew that things were getting worse, but the, the schools were suddenly going to sh- shut within 24 hours. I mean, it was a, a shock, and and then. There was one week and we were straight in the holidays. I mean, you, you use the term reopening, actually. In my in my school situation, I would use wider opening because my school has not been shut. It's been open every single day uh, except for one bank holiday, but right through the holidays. And I've been, and I've been working that time. And so, therefore, you, you just... You go into emergency mode and that's how it felt and your adrenaline's going and, and you're dealing with the here and now. And it's I've never had to be so much thinking about what's going on at this particular moment and not because a lot of my job is also planning for the future and you just couldn't plan for the future and it's been like a waterfall of um advice uh that's a loose term um that's come from the government I mean, 150 documents at least from the dfe i mean some of them in many of them coming in the evening i did particularly like the one on um well um staff's well-being that came out at 12 o'clock on a Saturday which I thought was particularly interesting um, and they would think that would be a useful time I, I, I don't think they found the snooze button that basically they could have set it to come on a Monday morning and I know the DFE has tried to be helpful in that sense but actually as somebody who has to read every single document uh, you, you fit at times it has felt like you were drowning in the stuff and many of it contradictory and often 
I mean, I think parents sometimes thought that, oh, we must know more than um, they do and why aren't we telling them? Well, that's, no, we didn't. I, I was sat there and had, would, I would come home specifically to sit and watch the briefing in the evening, not knowing what was going to be said mm. and that I would have to implement sometimes the next day. Uh, and often, though, things would be said on a briefing, but it would be several days until we got an inkling. I mean, if I look at the, the most recent thing, which is obviously we're going to be opening in bubbles of 30, which most of us would call a class. Um, but that's going to be happening in September. I've got three weeks to the end of term and I haven't had the guidance yet. And I will have to implement that. Uh, and much of that, you know, while obviously I will do work um, over the holidays, most of my staff won't be around to do it. So I need to have it in good time in order to put things in place for September and obviously my parents would like to know are, are we going to be back how are we going to be back and actually I have no guidance to tell them. Mm. Um, you mentioned that your schools remained open and I know that's you've had quite a good uh, like there's you serve quite a large number of key workers is that right? Yes uh, in, in a lot of um, so they, they ranged I mean in the holidays it was more like 15 but the rest of the time it was sort of about tw up to about 28 um, both key workers but obviously some some vulnerable learners as well uh, and now with the wider opening we're up to uh, we're up to um, about 130 uh, most days uh, with foundation stage in plus the key workers in key in year one and two and of course the nursery uh, but there again some of the announcements have made it very tricky so for instance when Boris went on Boris Johnson and said um, oh yes and all foundation stage and year one will be back what he meant was if you're a primary school that could well be the case but in my case as an infant school when the guidance came out it was clear I can't I couldn't fit all those children in so actually for the guidance for infant schools was year one weren't coming back but one of the tricky things is that is parents have sat and listened like me to the briefing and so year one parents were thinking oh that's great my child will be coming back but actually that isn't the case and I know of a number of schools in this area who had so many key workers more than I, even I've got that they weren't able to bring even the key year groups they said and that should have been explained and that Part of my job uh, and, and the way it's been managed has been made trickier because, as I said, often the guidance would come out uh, it's often several days later than a, 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 an announcement. One could almost think the announcement would be made up in the, in the hoof, but of course we couldn't possibly think that. But of course the guidance that came out um, didn't come out for several days and but I'm having to implement stuff I'm having to parents are asking and so then when you are sending it out sometimes a few parents have thought oh well, it's been defensive I'm not being defensive that's because I'm having to manage it. and often it was could be contradictory information so are we talking two meters or are we talking 15 in the class but if you're going two meters I can't fit 15 in my class because my classrooms aren't big enough and it took two and a half months i think for the government to work out that if you have a class of 30 and bearing in mind in in if you're not an infant school you're a primary school quite often you will have classes larger than that but if even 30 you divide that by two that gives you 15 oh that means you would need twice the number of classes and twice the number of staff and it took them about two and a half months till they worked that one out so when they said everyone's coming back if we're still following the risk assessments we're having to which has been produced and uh, which has been guided by public health there was no um, understanding at first, which should have been fairly obvious to everyone who actually worked in the school, you would need double the size. But of course, they haven't even um, admitted that if you were keeping, which originally we were told, um, you know, the two metre rule, 
many classrooms and just not we're just not big enough that you know I'm a responsible uh, sort of uh, leader and you know literally we got a, a, a two meter rule and we went around the classrooms working out how many desks we could fit in in order to be safe both for the children but for the staff who are working there and that's part of the risk assessment we had to do that I suppose at least as a school you have things, things like two meter rulers like lying around. No, 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 we, no, we didn't actually. My oh, really? Wonderful Mr. Briggs had to make me a two meter one. Yes, <laughs> most, most of them are meter sticks. So that was, yes, he made one specially. <laughs> Goodness. Um, so b- building off what you were just talking about with regards to uh, distance and size and, and how many people can just, how many of the students can just fit in one place safely. Um, I imagine that it's going to be quite common for a majority of schools across the country, what you just described about just not being able to fit in the numbers. Um, it, it, it is. Each school is different. And, you know, some schools had perhaps less key workers. So then they could bring more back. But then the, the one thing you're not talking about is, that, you know, I've still got a number of staff, quite rightly so, because of their uh, particular conditions, uh, mm. shielding. So mm. for some schools, they, could, they couldn't bring some back because they, they didn't have sufficient staff. And mm. now is not the time to be looking around for it's not the easiest time for finding supply and cover and the mm. other thing is the way you have to manage it so i'm talking obviously primary you mm. have to have at least two staff in your bubble so that you, you know you, they could cover for breaks and various things and most of them i can't afford usually to have a teacher and a teaching assistant full time so i've had to pay extra uh, hours for my um, part-time TAs to work extra hours so I've got those two in the bubble um, which is bringing an expense which we're not getting back but they, mm. that's another story um, and so you've, it's, it's but not all schools have had staff that were able to work extra hours so it, each school is different and mm. I would I would never judge another fellow leader for ju- any decisions they've made because I'm not living there you know with their um, particular set of circumstances and that's where you take the DFE guidance and, and you've had to interpret it uh, as best you can and that's mm. all any of us are doing you know it is unprecedented and um, it is a global pandemic and we're dealing with our own lives as well and our staffs and other things and uh, you know I think it's been tremendous the uh, the way that the profession has stepped up to the mark and just it's that can-do attitude and the only slight thing has made me really, really sad, I think, over this is that in a, in a few cases, the media has been less than kind about it. And, and just like all the other key workers from the, those who were stacking the shelves at Tesco to, um, to those in hospitals, to those in schools, we've all just been doing what we can and our bit as, as a key worker. Mm. Absolutely. Um, and, and it was really interesting as well that you brought up staff because um, the impact on teachers themselves as you say is frequently either um sort of painted in in a negative light by the media or just not talked about at all um but also with 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 bringing more kids back into school with regards to space do you think it's plausible that come september we could end up with um a sort of blended education delivery system where some kids are coming back to school but some have to stay learning at home um simply because of space i, I think there'll be, there's two things there's uh, a 
um, a number of pupils, either due to their own uh, conditions or their parents or whoever lives in their household, um, might need to still shield. So mm. yes, and you know, and I can think of some some children at my school where that will be the case. Mm. Um, but also in terms of space, yes, that might well be the case. It also might be the case that in some schools they don't have the staff. Mm. And and of course, within a primary, I can see how how it, it can be done, but that will be reliant on me having the adequate staff, but it will be very, very tricky to do. But in a secondary situation, um, where obviously within a normal uh, day, staff will be moving around and, and you know, it's more subject specialist, uh, it's going to be very tricky. My, my own daughter it, it will be going into Y10, so she's 14. And, you know, she's not been at school since it closed in, in March. And of course, as a parent, I wanted to be back uh, as soon as possible. But I also know that the school, if, if they're still, if the medical uh, and scientific advice is still that we need these bubbles i'm not quite sure how they're going to do that full time and i fully expect that she will be back in in a, some kind of blended learning way within my own school i think the majority of my children hopefully will be back however um that is only if we can have bubbles of 30 rather than 15 because mm -hmm. I, I otherwise i'd need double the size school um but i do know that there will be some staff and some pupils who are likely not to be back mm. um, because although I know the government has indicated they would like to do away with the shielding I, I know that the medical advice that some of them are getting from their own doctors is that it's not necessarily safe at this time. Mm. Um, and something which was sort of a common concern amongst the um, questions which we're fielding for the rest of the editorial team and a common concern in general is what impact this is going to have on um, children students who haven't been at school for a very long time um and potentially if they're shielding potentially won't be at school for um so much longer um so while, while they've been at home presumably they've been learning in very different environments and there'll be a huge range of what they've covered and what they haven't covered um done over the last few months maybe some have been um homeschooling properly day in day out maybe some have been lax on it it's all it's not standardized um no it's it's, it's not and it's not even standardized within schools so mm. as i said in my particular school I, i'm in a more sort of affluent area so most households have got um at least some kind of internet connection maybe a computer and if, uh, you know whereas i do know some of my colleagues here in some other schools where you know the only internet connection might be one phone which is shared between the parents and and the and the children that's going to be a very different access to what they can um, but even within my um, uh, area you know so if parents have fed back some pupils have blossomed within it this small you know having that time with their parents and you know uh, been able to follow activities they, 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 they've coped with it really well and they've and of those who've come back you can see some have moved on greatly but there's others I know from what parents have fed back um, have um, uh, have struggled and certainly mental health wise uh, there's, there's been a few families uh, who reported that their child is struggling with that and in fact we have signposted them to CAMS you know the childhood mental health um, system because and this, these are children who di weren't displaying those um, uh, anxieties before the lockdown but now are and I'm sure that will be um, common in many schools where even if the majority of pupils have done reasonably okay with the sort of uh, mixed sort of um, activities and, and 
support. There will be some that it's not. And part of my role in September will be um, trying to get that kind of feedback uh, and, and making sure that any curriculum um, supports and pays an, an even bigger emphasis on supporting mental health. And that mm. has to come before any of the academic things which the children may or may not have missed while they're off. Mm. Um, so so that that leads nicely into what i was going to ask next so about about how to deal with that lack of standardization once more people are back and once um come september or, or whenever that may be so in your well, mind um well i'm laughing i'm laughing because uh, the core the core the core thing that a teacher does is you find out where the children are and you and then and then you you build your worker and, and support mm. around that and then you move them forward so for for, for, for teachers that is what we do year in year out mm. it's just that this year will be even more mixed than you might expect um and it's even more complex i would say getting to the root of what they may support they may or may not needed i mean you know if I, if I think of the you know the children may come back and normally they'd know their frontal adverbials by the age of seven and maybe and maybe they haven't this year well actually will they be all right i'm sure they will it'll, i don't it'll know i don't back. know what a frontal adverbial is mama yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I didn't have the benefit of a michael gove education no you didn't exactly expanded noun phrase you need to you need to you need to get on those um but that's the point actually that child you know in a, in a quick couple of lessons you can teach that but however there's, there's other things that that, that uh, may not be so um quick to to do uh, and therefore it'll be important to fill those and one of the difficulties we've got as well is you know, while I know all schools will be thinking about maybe it's making tweaks to their curriculum to um, to try and accommodate for that. We the reality is we do work in a system where where, where um, we are often have to have accountability um, uh, targets, whether we like them or not. That uh, we have to um, think about, and we we've absolutely no idea yet from the DfE what whether everything's just going to be bing back to normal or they're going to change it. I mean, and they say one thing and they mean another. So for instance, they were bringing in a new baseline for schools and they said, yes, we're not going to cancel. We're not going to cancel it. And then they canceled it. So the reality is until we know all the things, I think morally most schools you know, will say actually whatever the government might be wanting us to do in terms of such and other things, we will do what's right for our pupils. And that, I think, you know, most leaders, that's the decision they will make. Mm. Um, it just would be nice to know what we are heading into. Um, and that would be really useful for when we're putting together um, the tweaks uh, to a curriculum support that we're going to give. Mm. And I think, you know, it is even more mixed than you imagine. So some pupils, as I said, have blossomed beautifully and they're, you know, and they're, they're, parents are usually very busy people some of them haven't then been working so they've been able to give their children a little bit more time they certainly um appreciate the uh, the tricky nature of uh, of, of learning in a way by having by having to teach their own children uh, in that sense uh, and actually hopefully going forward for many uh, parents they will have a greater understanding of the kind of thing their children uh, will be learning at school so that's an advantage in some cases but all schools will have there will have been children that have slipped through the net and it's, it'll be really important. Uh, I mean, one of the things that, and I'm not talking particularly about my school, although, I, you know, because um, it would be too personal to do that, but I do know of many schools where there have been more cases where families, domestic violence, those kind of things, um, where uh, there have been children, as I said, with mental health issues and those, it'll be really important over the coming months as we would normally do to give opportunities for children to talk without leading but actually 
that where there are things that we need to know about to support them, it'll be important to listen. And I think it'll be even more important. My staff have got that kind of listening approach um, and, and so that children can talk about what they've been doing. Mm. Yeah, there's no doubt a few of the children have come back quite germ phobic you know because it, i've never put, put this way I, i've never uh, had to think of so much about i mean even just cleaning my hands i mean for two and a half months I, I took my wedding ring off because i was washing my hands so much it was just getting in the way you know but for many children now i don't think they've well i don't think any of them will have washed their hands so much i know i haven't and i'm an adult you know um and that will go on for some time to come mm. so while on one one hand yes you want to try and say oh everything's back to normal the reality is it's not we're not back to normal even september we, we want there'll be certain measures even if we are all back that we will be continuing and it's about doing that in a way that children are mindful without well trying to deflect and to uh, minimize their worries mm. and and how has that responsibility been split with regards to the virus between the school and parents to try and tell the kids that we are in a pandemic and that life as normal as they understand it is different. I mean, one of the lovely things about this is it's been that collegiality approach between schools and in more general things. And, you know, if you, if you follow it, as I do various things on Twitter and on the educational sort of um, uh, sites, people have been sharing all sorts of things. Uh, and I know, you know, uh, when, when I looked at it, I was looking for the other day and seeing how many emails I'd got, 1,200, I think it was, to, uh, under my coronavirus um, uh, tab. And the, it's people have been share, sharing um, all sorts of uh, things in order to support families. And then when families, I mean, I had one family um, who, who was saying that their child was upset because a member of their uh, household, not in this country, another country had died of it. And they were, you know, have we got anything to support bereavement? So I was able to immediately, because we'd been sent by the local authority, uh, you know, the mental uh, health service materials age appropriate i was able to pass them on those kind of things quickly so it's been i have to say there's been, there have been a lot of things to support schools but there again as a school we've had to sift through and see what's appropriate what's not appropriate mm. and that, that actually leads nicely into another question we got specifically about local authorities um about how much support local authorities have given to head teachers versus the government so you just mentioned that and you mentioned the 150 odd documents that the dve have been sending through um and, so and up, and up until last week i have had a daily if not twice daily email from the local authority often it, it was coming in the evening about between five o'clock and six o'clock and that was a, an upgrade and that was giving you information it was it was helping to uh, it was from public health obviously for sheffield because that's really important what's it like in our area it was it was updating on the doc documents it was explaining them um, because they often need an explanation uh, it was sharing best practice so the last few weeks uh, we've been thinking about transition not just as our school but as a city and so there's been particular they've been laying on um, different uh, workshops when you can talk and share ideas because we're all having to do things slightly can differently I, yeah can I ask um so I know your, your school's a maintain school. You're not an academy. So you still no, have that direct link with the local local authority. Have, have, do. do you know if do, have, academy, have academies managed to keep that link up as well with the local authority and get that yeah, support? This, this advice had gone, has gone to all schools in Sheffield. Oh, that's really great. Because, 
because all but one of secondaries in Sheffield are academies and about half of primary. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of, of academies, but this has gone to all. It didn't matter what kind of school you were, whether you were a Catholic school, academy, maintain, whatever you were, uh, all this advice and you were, as a school could access the support that, as needed. Because, you know, the, the council went into their emergency footing, which is slightly, you know, different. I mean, I'm actually... Um, uh, Joint Branch Secretary for NHT, the the union. So I've also been involved in those union sort of meetings, and it, it completely it, it's been a weekly one, um, and try basically trying to do the best for the pupils and staff and families uh, within Sheffield. And um, we ha there's there's often been things to thrash through, and it's been tricky. And as I said, that's partly to do with conflicting needs. Um, and getting it right has been very difficult because advice has been oft, sometimes contradictory and you're having to wade through that. Um, but as I said, you know, I think most L schools have done the best they can in the situation. That doesn't mean to say uh, with hindsight, you wouldn't do things differently. What it's saying is actually when you're in the middle of something, you can only do the best you can with the, with the information you've got. Um, and I know, for instance, within Sheffield, some people are not, you know, said because Sheffield delayed the wider opening from the 1st to the 15th and it was literally uh, last minute when um, public health made that final decision. But actually, I can understand why it's difficult because there's conflicting um, medical evidence out there. But they did make that decision and that was good that they did. I, I did agree with that. Um, and you've got to weigh up the, the dangers obviously of returning too quickly and all the things that that brings with the dangers of not getting back quick enough. And it, 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 there, isn't a, there isn't a right or wrong here. There's just making the best decision. That's what a risk assessment is. Mm. And there is there's a certain amount of judgment within that. Mm. And, um, and moving forward um, on, on that um, subject of, of sort of learning from what's happened and, and the nature of the judgments on these things. Um, do you think there's anything more that can be done to ensure uh, equitable outcomes uh, in the event of a second spike of coronavirus, um, which... Well, well, for instance, the uh, laptop scheme for disadvantaged pupils, which, yes, I've got, I've got many at my school, but I know many of my colleagues have. Uh, as far as I'm aware, they're only just arriving. Well, it's two and a half months in. Mm. Uh, it hasn't been the most uh, uh, streamlined uh, of support, I can tell you. Um, and so I think it's it's as the school we weren't necessarily uh, set up to be um world class at uh, doing online t um, teaching and um from um online you know it was just that with, for many of us were new things i can I'm a dab hand now with zoom but, uh, but there are other ways and you know it, it's if you were if you've been planning to do a mixed sort of um teaching thing like that then you'd have had training for the staff you'd have had you'd have talked about ways of doing it uh, and it's it's not as simple as you might seem i've got marvelous staff and some of them they've got a good skill set but some of them we've had to do some training and one of the things that we will be doing is making sure that um you know for those pupils um that will have to stay off and obviously if we get a second spike is it where we'll be tweaking and 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 analyzing what's gone well in fact, uh, in fact we're due to send a questionnaire out next week what's gone well with our online learning and, and what we would be even better if and you and it's are you literally doing wwwebi yeah you know and it is it's because um 
I mean, it's something as simple as if, if you if you don't do it as P, PDF, if you've got Apple, Apple, then it comes out slightly wonky, which I know is really obvious when somebody tells you, but if you're not used to doing those kind of things, then actually you can sometimes get it wrong and it's just a bit irritating for people, but like, it can help them. Um, and I will be interested, you know, I, to see even in, in, in my school where, as I said, a lot of them have had access to the... Um, uh, you know the hardware that's enabled them to go online and, and we know how many people are accessing but it'll be interesting to see that there will be uh, some families that haven't been and it's thinking about how we can support them with that and I know my colleagues you know across Sheffield that's one thing we're thinking about because it is there is still a possibility and sadly a fairly high possibility there might be a second wave uh, in some areas of Britain um, and it's important that we've although we did well in the first wave we want to be even better in the second wave and, and to use what we have learned about what parents find useful in order to support their children at home mm. we had a question from one of um one of the writers about um the specific impact a possible specific impact on kids being home for so long with regards to uh online activity so one of the you know big worries over the past couple of years particularly with um young children has been like what what are they watching on youtube for example um and given that given that now so many children are at home uh watching youtube a lot more on the internet a lot more um the potential is there for that likelihood one of the first things we did was remind parents of our uh, of online information mm, and guidance and um because we, it's not something new new for us you know we teach it both we're in school but also we send materials home for parents but obviously if they are accessing more it's important i mean i i, I many of the games uh, never mind the learning that children are on you as a parent don't realize that, that something like road roadblocks which i know is one that um, some of them use and my own daughter does and there's actually a talking facility in that and you immediately as a parent you may not think oh that means they might be talking to somebody who's not a child but actually mm. that is the reality and, and it, so one of the first things we did as a school was make sure we sent home guidance um to remind parents of that and um because if you're not somebody who plays or, or, or reads or you're aware of those kind of things it, it can be very easy to get it wrong mm. uh, and so i think that, that what, when we do the feedback it might that might be something you know do parents need any more information or how do you set your settings to, to pick up the stuff you know so um that's one of the things that we will ask parents well that's very good to hear um and the, the the final question i had was sort of casting an eye potentially to the long term um which is always quite hard to work out of course but um we could potentially take a couple of steps at it so do, do you think that the negative impact of having so many kids um at home outside of school for so long will be felt very very long term so do you think it's possible that in you know five to ten years people will be saying like, oh yes well we can trace these current problems back to the lockdown of 2020 um or do you think that actions can be taken in the short term to mitigate the um mitigate the negative consequences of the past couple of months of lockdown and get sort of people back up to get children back up to speed i think 
is it lock coronavirus it is build a defining uh, thing that um will be in everybody's uh, memory going forward some of that will actually be things that they've learned so actually defining as in they've, they've, they've enjoyed the family time they've been able to perhaps step back a little bit if they haven't been working as much and actually um have more quality time uh, i mean I, i've loved the fact that i could go for a cycle and there wasn't as many cars on the roads those kind of things you know there, there's been more wildlife i mean in sheffield city center that there was a deer the, um, during you know and i think it has stopped and people have had to be in the moment so I think it's important to think not all the things and consequences are negative. However, they will carry us forward. In terms of, there is no doubt that there are, um, there, there are, even before lockdown, there have been gaps, uh, particularly you know, with, the, with some families in terms of disadvantage. I mean, one of the things to be asking is actually why that gap is there in the first place. That, and, and I think it's, you know, it's all very well, uh, as, as some people have gone, oh, we mustn't, we must make sure that that gap's now. And I, I don't disagree with that. But then my question would be, why is that gap gap there in the first place? What are we doing about that long term? Uh, and and if that makes people think about that, it, I think that's really important. Um, as I said, all schools will be seeing where the children are, how we can support them going forward. It's not necessarily um, going to be of the more formal kind, although it must, you know, it, academic things. Some of it might be, are there some um more support we need to do with well-being and mental health and to be fair i don't think we'll know some of that i mean certainly if i think just of myself and, and my staff in those first few months you were on adrenaline you you were dealing with it all the t all the time it's, it's we're only starting to as an adult deal with it now well i mean we, we, uh, you know uh, i i'm happy saying you know this this morning i was uh, my mental health has been very up and down in lockdown and i i called my mum uh i called kathy for <laughs> for for a talk uh just to get me through the day you know and uh i think that's the reality of it for for so many of us including, including it children. Uh, but I it's so i think it's so formative in your in your childhood years as you say that you know i think it's and I think what you often find with youngsters, you know, particularly when they're very little, is they don't always articulate it at the time. And that's where both for the families and for the school settings, it'll be about being observant and, as I said, listening. And where you spot things that, that might need to be covered, then, then you do so. I think one of the opportunities that, and it's fortuitous, there is a new um, re relationship policy uh, uh, policy that was due to come in anyway uh sex education and various things that's coming in september and one of those is a big increase in emphasis in support for mental health and i think that can only be good and that, and we're just going back to one of the points earlier it's also a big emphasis an increased emphasis on online safety and those kind of elements so actually as a school even before coronavirus came along we, that we were going to be doing even more of those kind of things and i just think that it's important to get it'll be even more important to get those things right before then you can work on and get your expanded noun phrases and frontal adverbials sorted and another episode of the social review podcast draws to a close thank you so much for listening thank you so much to kathy for coming on and talking about her experiences as a teacher um in the coronavirus crisis and what that's actually been like on the front line it's always really good to hear from teachers themselves about um and from from all people on the front line during this crisis about what it is actually like um so yes enormously grateful for that and let us know if you're enjoying the podcast thanks again have a good rest of your week goodbye